You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. You know, a new term has popped into my vocabulary, um, something I, I'm sure I've heard of this before, but it's become very prevalent on social media, influencers. I did a little digging into what influencers actually are, and I, it, it opened up a whole new world of wow and curiosity and disappointment and lots of other adjectives. I'm surprised, I have to say, and this makes me sound, sound a bit like a shut-in, but I'm surprised to learn there are many, 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 many people out there on social media that are influencers, which means they are people without credentials, oftentimes without expertise or authority, literally telling us how to do things. And so many people buy into this that I think it's truly changing the way people look at or want to spend money on or give credit to the people that do have experience and authority and expertise. Because I can take an interest, let's say I want to learn how to do mosaic tile, and I can go on many social media platforms and look it up. And there can be somebody like me, I shudder to think, that has done it maybe once or twice, thought it was cool. And so I put it out there in very shiny wrappings and entertaining delivery. And other people are going to watch this and think I know what I'm doing and then follow what I'm doing. And that's this is a very simple example. Some of the examples, the other things that I've watched and heard or read about are far scarier than just mosaic tiling. These are things such as people telling you how to diet and exercise or how to think or what medications are best for this or that. It's, I find it very unsettling to think that people are in search of real answers for real problems and finding it through what's uh, what's the word through people that don't have experience and are just offering their opinions and maybe one-time experience and again it can go it can go deeper than that we can follow those influencers into politics and they will sway the way that people think and lead you to believe that they have experience or they deliver something so polished and so well, many people believe them. It's almost like the snake charmer or the traveling, traveling doctor who would sell you snake oil and tell you how wonderful it is and you'll believe it and, the next, and you tell the next person and the next person. There doesn't seem to be any validity to influencers and yet they're, they're followed by hundreds if not thousands of people. And it's become some it's become a, an entity in society that holds a lot of weight. And it's very confusing for people. And again, what do you believe? 
Well, and it's a career for a lot of these people. They actually make a lot of money from uh, advertisers for their position. So they'll start out and they'll talk about something like weight loss and beauty type things are seem to be the biggest fitness related, uh, beauty related. And they, uh, they talk about the products that they use. And then the advertisers find out that, Hey, these people are getting noticed. So let's talk to them about, you know, advertising our product. Some of these people are millionaires and you have people like, you know, Kim Kardashian who, right. Uh, does this she makes a lot of money at it she's got very sexy pictures of herself you know with a lollipop in her mouth that is a, a weight loss or an appetite suppressant lollipop you have people with all kinds of different beauty related things a lot of them focus on uh, body image a lot of them focus on you know f- makeup and different ways to do it hair different all these different things the thing that I find really dangerous about this is a lot of teenagers are involved in watching these people and they don't have the money that Kim Kardashian has and they don't have the, um, well, back to money, they don't have the money to buy the kinds of clothes that they wear, to buy the kinds of makeup that they wear. They, They don't have those kinds of lives. So I think it really harms their their own image of themselves it creates a, um, a risk for depression and for anxiety and body dissatisfaction. And all of that is proven out in many, many studies. So I'm not sure that these are good things all the time. Oh, I would agree. Oh, I, I agree. I am. I, I, I really, it, it's, it's crazy to me to think that someone could just, you know, they go on Instagram, they go on, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, TikTok is huge. And they, they do these videos. And like you said, um, Becky, they might not have any idea what they're talking about, right? But, um, or you look at like Kim Kardashian, and she's selling all these products, and she's had so much plastic surgery. She has, you know, she's spent thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars reshaping her face, reshaping her body, and then posting it. And then on top of that, they use all of these special filters to smooth everything out, right? No cellulite, no, you know, none of the wrinkles, none of the anything, so that she appears to be absolutely perfect. And our, you know, people are striving to look like that. Um, you know, she's got a Chanel budget and people are trying to do it on a, a Revlon budget. Right. So it, it doesn't work. It really, it, it doesn't work. And I, and I agree with you that it, it starts to damage your self-esteem. Um, just watching my youngest daughter, she's 15 years old. Right. And she was on her phone last night when we were all together and, and, and I'm like, so what are you looking at? And she says, I have to find the most perfect hairspray. I'm like, okay. And she was so intense about it. Hey, tell and her I gor- said, Gorilla well, Glue. Oh. Girl in blue. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, this, this is what I did. Yeah, this is the thing. I could have told her, but she's like, no. And Brian said to her, 
your mom was in the cosmetic industry and in the beauty industry for 30 years. She knows and has tried everything. Why don't you, you know what I mean, listen to her? Because I, I ripped off exactly what she needed. And, oh, no, I got to look yeah. at so-and-so <laughs> on Instagram is telling me blah, blah, right? And it was, it was amazing to me because not, you know, obviously at this point, I lose my, inf you know, when they turn uh, 13, 14, 15, all of a sudden you're the stupidest person in the world anyway, right? But you right. put this on top of it, you put this on top of it, all these shiny, pretty people who are, are trying to, you know, they act like they're experts. I don't know. I'm losing even more influence. And yet, do I say, okay, you can't be on Instagram anymore? Right. Or you can't, you know, obviously uh, uh, she doesn't have an Instagram account or a Facebook account. So she looks at mine, but um, I don't know how to function in this world without participating in these mediums. Right. Well, what also scares me is these influencers have such power. Such Someone... Power someone has given them this power. And I think it's us. It's the viewers, which is, yeah. it's, a, it's a vicious, it's like a hamster wheel and it's, and it's vicious and it's wrong, but we get sucked in and mm -hmm. it's a, it's like a siren. People want to look at beautiful people and it's right. a real sad commentary on human nature and, and a problem because of what you just said we're not willing to be anything less than perfect and we're willing to sacrifice uh, rational thinking and money that we don't have in order to be accepted and look a particular way that society tells us we really should look if we're going to have success. And I think it's starting at even a, a younger age. I know many kids now have these social accounts where they can view these influencers and it takes over their mind. It takes over their life and it pulls them away from reality. And I, I don't know how to stop it. Can it well, be stopped? I, I don't think we're going to stop it, but I think that parents need to really pay attention to what their kids are doing on social media and who they're following and explain to them how unreal those pictures are and those lifestyles are and what they're saying is not, you know, it's for them to make money. It's for the, the social influencer person to make money. It's not something that's necessarily for the benefit of the person looking at it. So they, they, they need to look at it in that way. You know, there, there's also um, the other side of that, which if you are a social influencer, then I'm thinking of uh, Lori, is it Lori Laughlin? Lori Laughlin's yeah. daughter, who uh -huh. is a big social yeah. media influencer. But her world came crashing down, you know, when they had the problems with the parents. And, you know, that, that puts people, the daughter, in a tailspin as well. So, you know, there, there are so many sides to this. And I think it's good to follow good role models in life, but let's look at who those good role models really are. That's a thing, 
as we've discussed so many times, Becky and Judy, parents need to explain to their kids who is a good role model, who is the person that, you know, is going to make a positive difference in your life rather than make you feel like you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's what a lot of these social influencers do and, and understanding that they're doing it for a buck is really important. Are there parents out there that are going to instill that information into their kids? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's just, it always comes down to really, uh, how you raise your children. And it's been like that for ever, forever from, you know, any new um, tool, any new influence. Um, if, if the parents are involved in their children's lives um, and they, you know, they, they have that relationship where they can talk about all of these things or they actually take the time to do it, but all through, all through the centuries, you have the parents who are too busy or they don't care or they're not involved in their children's lives. They care, but they're not involved, right? They're so Mm -hmm. busy um, and they don't have the time to sift through their phones, sift through their accounts. Um, They, they don't take the time to have the conversations about not only who, but what is influencing them. And Uh, I think you'll always have, you know, uh, that situation where, you know, I mean, I wasn't allowed to wear lip gloss or any makeup. I got to wear clear, shiny lip gloss when I was 13. And that was so exciting. But then my neighbor girlfriend, you know, who was my girlfriend, her mom, you know, was working all the time. She wore full face makeup, right? Um, In, in seventh grade, right? Um, because her I mean, mom wasn't very, her, oh, mom her mom wasn't around and just yeah. didn't care, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like makeup's a big thing, but I mean, it's just about how how fast we grow up, how fast our children grow up and and being involved. And it always to me it always comes down to parenting. Don't it you does. think? And and you know that all the studies that they've done on the social media influencers and the people that are using it have pointed to two big things. One is to depressive symptoms in young adults. And one is that they are spending less time forming real relationships. And I see that so much. I, I just see it even in the people that I interview for jobs that they, they can look at their phone all day long, but they cannot look me in the eye when I'm interviewing them. They just don't know how to have a one-on-one personal conversation. This is a false life that they're looking at. And I just think it's so critically important to get our youth into the real world and not into the uh, electronic world, because that, that is not a real life. The, the image that they're creating online, these social media influencers, is not real life. I mean, when you look at uh, Lori Laughlin's daughter, and like you said, I can't remember her name, but I remember reading about her, okay? And she already has, it's, it is a, a million-dollar business already, set up through Instagram and TikTok and Facebook 
as, as, you know, she's this influencer, right? And yet, so she's telling people how to live their life, but she couldn't even actually get into college, right? And as you talk to her, she didn't even want to go. She didn't even want to go to college, but her, her mom and her dad said, you absolutely have to, and we're going to get you in, right? Even though she wasn't accepted. Uh, they that had that to- was a terrible uh, example for her to view because right. you know what? College is not the be all and end all for everybody. No, everybody doesn't need isn't. to go to college. Here, here's a girl who was making millions of dollars without going to college. I'd say that's pretty darn good. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so it all boils down to what, what people think of you, right? Yeah. What will society think of me if I quote unquote, don't go to college or what, you know, what will my friends think if my daughter doesn't go to college? Right. Um, and it's all about the image. It's all about sad. image. That's a it sad is. way to look at life. I mean, yeah, it is. So to me, it all goes down to have dinner with your kids as many nights a week as you can. I know this sounds very, very simple, but we sit down at the table. You don't want to watch TV. We all sit down at the table together. We share a meal and we talk about what's going on in our life. And we laugh and we argue and we have different opinions and there's no phones at the table. But this is the time that we all talk. We talk about everything and we, we don't, that way we're not missing things, right? I mean, weeks don't go by and, um, and I didn't notice that maybe Emma is depressed or sad. Her mood has changed. Something has shifted. When you have dinner with your kids every night, um, you can you can tell the changes in their demeanor. What's I know when something is bothering her, when something's going on at school. Um, and it is very interesting because um, my 20, she's 21 now, and she brings her friends home from college. She, you know, we're only like 15 minutes away from uh, Michigan State University, but she loves to bring her new friends home uh, to have a meal Uh, And we laugh and tell stories and talk. And uh, she said, I know sometimes it seems weird, mom, but it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And and she's anchored. We're anchored. And that's when we talk about who is Kim Kardashian and what do you think about her plastic surgery? And do you, you know, all of that to, to, you know, what about college? Do you feel like you have to go to college? All of these things. Um, So I, I think just have dinner with your kids, even if it's 10 o'clock at night, hold dinner till they get home. I I agree. We're going to talk about some of those uh, anti-anxiety methods after this. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund 
these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Uh, welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. I am Judy Moran, and I get to chat with two of my uh, dear friends, Linda Martinelli and Becky Kolmeinen. And we're just chatting about interesting things like um, anti-anxiety medication and the acceptance of so many people who are willing to medicate immediately. And... That, that's what we're going to talk about the, at the next, whatever, few minutes or so. But um, it's interesting because Becky had suggested this uh, as an, an item for us to chat about. And I, I was really excited to talk about it because I have watched our society really, you know, start to, me- I mean, we're, we're so, we self-medicate ourselves. Immediately we think, oh, I feel this way, or I feel sad, or I feel anxious, um, as if we're not supposed to feel those things. And immediately we think, I need a pill or I need a medication to make that go away. When I, I think that is exactly how God knit us together. We have intuition. We have intellect. We understand when, when there's danger or when there's, you know, something happens in our life and we are full of grief and loss. And I think really, you know, when I look at uh, our culture and our society, everybody, uh, there's such a pressure to be happy all the time, happy, successful. Um, You should, you know, feeling sad uh, is, is bad and wrong. Um, Feeling anxious is bad and wrong. And so we think we have to, you know, self-medicate or go to the doctor and get, you know, medication. You know, some people self-medicate with alcohol or with marijuana or other drugs uh, if they, you know, don't go to the doctor. But the doctors are so quick to to be like, oh, you need some Prozac, right? Or you need, um, you know, some, you need some Xanax or, and that'll make you feel better. My, my, one of my dearest, dearest friends lost her sister to COVID uh, this past November. And it was, it's so devastating, right? And, and she was so full of grief. We were all so full of grief. And it must have been literally just a month later, right? One month later, we were sitting there talking and and uh, and about her sister, and we were crying together. And she said, "You know, I think, I think maybe I should go to the doctor. Do you think I should get an antidepressant?" Right. And I looked at her and I said, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "You are supposed to be feeling this way. You are this. This is how God has knit us together. You are grieving." And if you go and you get something and you take it and, and it pushes it down and it numbs it, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to have to deal with it later. 
All right. You're just going to have to continue taking this drug for the rest of your life until you deal with your grief. There are stages of grief. There is, you know, shock. There is unbelief. There is anger. There is horrible pain. And if you stop at any one of those stages and you get stuck in there because you've self-medicated or you got you got some pill that pushes it down and numbs it, you you just never, you have to let the grief and the pain flow through you. We have to learn and uh, how to deal with disappointment, with sadness and with grief and with anxiety. If I'm, you know, if I'm stressed out about my bills or I have anxiety about my daughter's um, and any situation that they have, like with Gabby at school, when she went thousands of miles away to the University of Arizona, uh, and I, I couldn't, couldn't be there, do you know what I mean, to watch over her anymore. I was full of anxiety, but I'm supposed to be, right? I'm supposed to be. And, and learning how to cope with that, how to deal with it. Uh, and for me personally, faith is a huge piece of that. Um, which, which we're so missing anymore, right? We're so missing that. I faith agree. Piece, which, which really was a way to deal with this. You know, the other, other thing that I've seen a lot is doctors are giving children, you know, like ADD, ADHD type oh. medications. And they told me at one point that my youngest son, the school called me and said, you know, he, he just doesn't really pay attention in class. And he, you know, he's, um, they also told me, by the way, that he couldn't see that he needed glasses and all these things. So of course, being the good mom, I took him to the doctor. First of all, I knew he didn't have ADHD. That, that was not even a question, but I was concerned if he could, could see properly and his eyes were perfectly perfect. And I had told the teacher at that time, I said, this kid can pitch a baseball right down the plate and, and he can also hit one. I know he can see, but I'll go take him. So I did. And everything was fine. But they do want to medicate the kids. Well, here was what the problem was. The problem was two things. Well, really one thing that the teacher was totally uninteresting. He, his mind wandered because she was as boring as could be. And I took him out of that class. I put him in another teacher's class and he flourished. Why? Because she was engaging the children. So rather than go to medicine first for anything, I, I think that we should try other things. And I'm not talking about any kind of medicine. If you have a health condition, of course you want to get medicine, but I'm talking sure. about the, the anti-anxiety or the depression medicines. Now depression is a real illness and some people absolutely do need that medication and they do well with it. But I agree that it is really, really overused in society and that we would be better in learning how to handle our problems, which gives me just a, a quick thought here. When I look at the colleges and the safe spaces and the, the coddling that they're doing of our college kids, they're not learning how to deal with situations. They're learning how to remove themselves and go to a safe place. That is not going to help them in life and neither is the medication. No. no. Well, you guys have, you know what? I'm done. You guys have said it all. This no, is absolutely <laughs> perfect. Everything you both have said has been exactly what I was going to say. And I can just expound a little bit on it. 
uh, wow, I don't even know where to start because it's you guys did beautiful with my thoughts. You read my mind completely. The, amazing. Yeah, well, of course. But the, <laughs> the handling of situations, I think, is something that is sadly missing in the rearing of children these days. And it can even go back to everybody's a winner, you know, when you're on the soccer team. We all. Right. right. So I'm, I'm going to give this as an example, and I have approved it with my daughter. She's a junior at college down in Indiana and lives with four other people in a house. And two houses down is a boyfriend of one of the girls, and they're all really close. They have a great relationship with the two guys down the street um, who come and go and visit. But one of them has anxiety. Interestingly enough, I think out of the Mary's one of five that live in the house, three, I think, are on medication for anxiety. And the one girl's boyfriend is also on anxiety meds. So she has shared with me several times over the last couple of years that they'll be somewhere and like, for instance, they went to a play and there was a warning that came with the play. They posted this outside of the theater. This show may cause anxiety if you have anxiety and so, oh right from the get go. So I'm like, Oh so, my gosh. So right. why did y'all go in? Why did you all go in? So they learned a really good lesson. They went in, they ended up having to leave and they were all basically breathing out of paper bags by the time they left the show. <laughs> yeah. And the other night, apparently this young man had a panic attack and her, his oh. girlfriend and another one of the housemates went over and they were over there for a while and didn't come back. And so Mary and another housemate decided to go over there and I'm sorry, but this just turns out to be funny because they all end up having a panic attack because someone's <laughs> having a panic attack. I don't know there to me, there's a problem here with, with the, the lack of the ability of today's youth. And I'm not talking about your daughter, Becky, but, but just in but general, I know what you mean to, to yeah, handle, yeah. to handle That's bad news or problems or stress. Yeah guess what? Life is about that in so many ways. And, you know, honestly, for, for my life, I, I probably have done my best work when I'm stressed because it makes me step up to the plate. So many people now not only don't step up to the plate, but they completely get off the plate. You know, I, I want to ask both of your opinion about this, this Columbia University professor. You've probably read about him, Carl Hart who's a professor of psychology and neuroscience, again, at Columbia University, mm -hmm. takes heroin virtually every single day. And he, you know, is a big proponent of legalizing all drugs because he feels that people should be able to use whatever drugs they want. His, he has a book called Drug Use for Grownups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. He does acknowledge that he's had... Um, withdrawal symptoms when he's not taking it. But he, in addition, uh, takes methamphetamine, ecstasy, and some other things. This is a professor of our children at college. Any way that you look at it, if this person said something racist, and by the way, he's a black man, that's neither here nor there. But if he said something racist, he would be canceled in a moment. 
but he's using illegal drugs that are illegal to obtain and he's bragging about it. And that is not the kind of example that I want for my kids because it just teaches them to do exactly what we're talking about, to go to alternate methods to handle their stresses and situations in life. Right. And you know, Linda, you, uh, both of you actually mentioned this, and this is really important for me, the faith element in all of this. And for those who are not believers, there's little to no understanding as to how important that is. Their society wants to throw pills at you for just about anything. And all it would take if Mary decided to go to therapy, I'm pretty sure all it would take is her expressing her feeling anxious over this or that or too much pressure or something. And they would want to write her a script, which she wants nothing. Her person, we both and she doesn't want anything to do with being medicated. But I do want to say, I do know of several people that the medication has greatly helped for a time when they've been on it, say nine months or so, nine to, you know, nine months, two years, and brought whatever chemical levels back down to where they've learned while they're on the medication, they've also sought therapy to learn how to handle these situations. And I, I am confident that there are situations where medication is absolutely necessary, but the way that it's being doled out like M&Ms today, it's really caused the youth um, and some adults, but really the youth who are growing up and trying to learn these things, how to not handle these things. Don't handle it, take a pill. And that, and which, and this could be another topic, could lead to all sorts of other things such as eventually saying, you know what, this anti-anxiety med didn't really work for me. I had too many side effects. I gained weight. I So heroin's a better choice. It's a little more expensive, but you know, it's crazy. You know, I, I, I agree with you, Becky, that there are definitely situations, which is why this medication even exists to, to do good for people. Right. Um, my, my mother had a stroke after her stroke. Um, she was quite disabled and she, she became pretty much suicidal at that point because, you know, the chemical balance in her brain went haywire and she did take the medication for a while until that was able to balance out. But, you know, what I think what we're talking about is, is the crutches that people are using to get through their everyday life. Yeah. I, I don't think that, that they need, and I think it does more harm than good because they never learn how to handle things without having an outside method like drugs. Agreed. No, wholeheartedly. But people don't have patience, don't have the time, always pressing to become better, more, uh, more successful, and just don't have time to do what they need to do to take care of themselves without medication. In, in many instances. And it's very sad. Uh, lots of contributing factors to this as a result of the way people rely on technology. When you think about how bombarded we are with the stimulus of you need to be more successful, you need to be more beautiful, you can't have bad breath, you need deodorant, you need to use <laughs> this sort of this, you need this. It's a wonder everybody isn't full of anxiety all the time. And so going back to the basics, 
of having dinner with your kids so you can listen to your kids, not even so much talk to them, listen to them. They will share and you will know, and it makes a difference. And I know that's hard for a lot of people because their lives are not conducive to having dinner like Ozzy and Harriet, but you know what? There were some really good things about that. Yeah. You know, I gotta say that. Um, so I definitely had ADHD when I was a kid. Um, and you know, it was way long before anything, you know, they had any sort of diagnosis for it. All my report cards were just Judy's daydreaming again. She's not focused, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Right. And the truth is Mrs. Brown was the worst, boringest teacher I've ever met in my entire life. Right. Um, but the thing of it is, is that, uh, I, you know, I wasn't medicated, right. Uh, they didn't know what it was. And to be honest with you, I learned how to function with it. Okay. It was, I, I, I wasn't medicated. Nobody diagnosed me quote unquote back then. Um, and I learned how to function and be successful and have incredible relationships and, uh, without, having to take any medication. Uh, I learned what I was good at and I learned how to be focused when I had to be right and understand and embrace what was happening to me um, and appreciate who I was. Now that I'm 56, I don't have ADHD anymore. I just have ADD because I'm a little slower, a little more tired. You know, I'm just not hyper, but I, I, I don't think that if I was given medication that I would have learned how to function, you, you know, in it. Um, and as I got older, then I kind of got sucked in. Oh my gosh, I wonder if I should try something. So I go to my doctor, I explain, you know, all my symptoms and he prescribes, um, it's called uh, Des- Des- Desicon or whatever. It's a methamphetamine is what yeah. it is, right? And, um, so you gotta, whatever, you know, show your ID and, and you have to have like, you know, a special handwritten script. You take it to the doc, to the, to the, um, pharmacy. It's all regulated. Right. So I get it. I take it home and I, so I take it and it all, I have the most, what I consider the most foreboding, horrible feeling in my gut. It is just, and what it was, was that it was anxiety. The, it was, it's a stimulant. And so it had me so hyped up, right. That I felt like I was full of anxiety. And then what happened? I got a lot done. I'm not going to tell you, I didn't get a lot done, but I was snipping and snapping at everybody. Right. I mean, I was not myself at all. And I just, you know, realized that I would rather be I would much rather be a little unfocused and kind and happy than focused, get a lot of stuff done and be evil and, 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 uh, and quick to anger. Boy, uh, I, I agree. I agree with everything you. has side effects. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shine in sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor. 
old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Rebecca and Judy, I said I was going to change it up and this is a big change from social media influencers and from anti-anxiety medication. I want to talk for a moment about global warming. This has become another big issue even bigger than it was in President Trump's administration in the Biden administration. So we have John Kerry being the new guru, czar, whatever title they've given him to be the climate guy. And he's brought us back into the very useless Paris Climate Agreement. Um, But I want to talk about climate change from everything that I've read and believe me, I'm no expert. I'm just a person like everybody else listening in our audience that has a little bit of common sense. And you know what, what I do know about the earth is that earth's climate has changed throughout history. And in the last 650,000 years, there've been seven cycles of glacial advance and retreat. So right now we're in a retreat mode, but not everywhere. Some places glaciers are advancing, but, but if you think about the way that the earth's orbit is that it, it goes around and it goes around the other way at the same time, right? If you think about the relationship of earth to the sun, as it rotates, it's always going to be a little bit different. So some places are going to be warmer and some cooler at different times during centuries. Now, what we're being told is that in our modern climate area, that human civilization is actually affecting the Earth's climate. And I, I understand that there's many scientists that say that there's true, and I believe that there are just as many that say that it's not. And I, I think that we are seriously overboard in our country in our reaction to this as though we are so important that we are actually going to make this a cataclysmic event by our own actions. And I just, I just don't believe that I, when you look back in history 
at how many times our climate has changed. We've gone through hot times, we've gone through freezing times, we've gone through ice ages. You know, it's just it just doesn't make sense that according to John Kerry, we have 12 years to make a decision to change this or it is going to be an existential situation. I just don't see it. And by the way, I'd just like to point out that under the Obama administration, it was 12 years, eight years ago. So I'm not sure. Uh, actually, it was 12 years, 12 years ago, if you start at the beginning of the Obama administration. So I, I just don't see that this is true. And I, I, I kind of want to get your takes on this. Well, I know one thing that I blame global warming on is when I was a very little girl, I remember going with my mother to get her hair done and I would sit on the floor next to her in this rather large size hairdresser place. There were probably 12 women in chairs and all of them were smoking cigarettes. This was the sixties. And do you remember the hairspray called final net? Aquanet. Aquanet, that's what it, it had the picture of the netting on the front. Well, yeah. every, every hairdresser, every woman had a bouffant hairdo and every hairdresser was spraying cans of that everywhere. And I contribute that to erasing the ozone layer because that's, that's my, that's my main thing. It's like hairspray. Hairspray has put a hole in the ozone layer and this is global warming. It's, that's the only reason I can come up with global warming humans do have some impact on what's happening in the way the world is, the atmosphere is functioning. Is it the main cause for global warming, which is such a, a label? I don't know that I believe that. And I'm not a scientist. And scientists are saying global warming is related to human activity. When I know that I know that I know that we are doing some very ugly and bad things to our environment. But when I look back at the history of the weather, and I mentioned this to Linda earlier, I have on one of my weather apps, it'll tell me what the weather is today for highs and lows. And then a hundred years ago, highs and lows for the same day in history. And the weather is more often than not so extreme from where it is today, that it makes me think, so either global warming has been going on for hundreds of years, or this is just cyclical and this is to be expected. Well, if you look way back in history, and by the way, our records are not long enough to make this determination, I don't believe, but you know, you can, you can go on NASA's site and look, and it does say that we impact it. I, I don't doubt that we impact some things that are close to the earth, but, you know, one of the biggest impacts in my mind, just not by reading anything, but just by common sense, says that if we continue to do things like cut down our rainforests, that that is going to have a dramatic impact on our environment because those rainforest trees are the trees that absorb the carbon dioxide and we need to and, and they give us oxygen, right? And that that's a big deal. So there are things that we do that are, are wrong. And the scientific consensus seems to be that the Earth's climate is warming. It's been in a very many number of years, it's gone up two degrees. 
But look through history that we have had seven ice ages. Exactly. I think that um, well, I agree. I agree with both of you in that, um, you know, it seems that there are definitely things that we can do as humans to uh, slow down the process. Um, I, and I agree with you, Linda. I think that that um, taking the taking of the rainforest is is truly damaging and, and detrimental to our atmosphere's uh, future. Uh, I mean, I, I really agree with you. I think that uh, though the, the decisions we make can have to be slower. When I look at um, how, for instance, we, the new administration shut down the pipeline, the building of the pipeline, pipeline, right? Why is that? I don't understand. We can still move forward and get away from, uh, you know, from uh, different types of energy eventually, but we don't have to do it all at once and destroy whole communities, people's livelihoods, their future, their children's future. It seems like we could do it in a way that's not as volatile. Um, I and I was looking at like you talked about NASA's site, and so I was looking at that, and um, it's interesting because that there was a study done by NASA as well as um, several universities that point to the fact that Antarctica's climate was once warm enough, actually, to sustain vegetation, including trees, at one point. Uh, in some estimates, they said that it was placed at 20 degrees warmer than it is today. Um, and so, just like you said, we've had, what did you say, seven different ice ages? Yes. Um, and we've, you know, and we've warmed back up. Our atmosphere, our weather, our climate changes all the time, constantly. Uh, and sometimes I think, are we so narcissistic to think that we can actually control it, right? Well, can we question. actually control anything? What is this oh, driven by? No. Right, money, driven by money, well, don't I, you think? I, I agree. You know, they, the, these <laughs> storms, these storms that just happened in uh, the whole middle of the country, all the way from the top to the bottom, and in Texas, you know, we had seven degree weather and we and lower in other places. You know, th this was not normal for us. But when I say it's not normal, actually it is normal because in history, it has happened a number of times. It's not a once in a lifetime kind of event. It has happened a number of times. It is just that uh, the polar vortex came down further than it normally comes. I mean, you guys are usually the people in... Um, Michigan that can get all that cold weather, but, but it, for whatever reason it came down, is that a big detrimental sign of something? No, it's just nature. And although I do think, as I said, I think that we need to do some things differently. I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, the oil pipeline and those things are, are the big deal. I, I more think that it's cutting out the trees that give us oxygen from carbon dioxide. If you look in throughout history and, and on other planets, it is 
there are planets, and I think Venus is one, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure it's, it is Venus. That is almost all carbon dioxide on the surface. Well, we can't sustain life that way. So it, that should tell you how important these trees are, and we need to figure out a way to change that. But as far as being an existential threat, as we are being told, and that we have to take emergency me measures and we have to get uh, wind power. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm all for wind power in some places, but those puppies froze during the Texas freeze and they didn't help us at all. And we were all out of heat and we were all out of electricity. So the, the solar panels were covered with snow. The, I know. Yeah. The other, the, and by the way, you know, speaking of earth and you want to take care of the earth, solar panels and wind turbines cannot just be recycled. They have to be buried. And that, what does that do to our earth to build these huge things? And then when they no longer work, we have to bury them. I'm sorry. I think that that's a, a detrimental thing to do to our earth. So you know, there, there's a lot of different opinions and I'm really tired of having it kind of shoved down my throat that we have to make all of these life changes because we have an existential crisis. Is this, and this may be too elementary of a thought, but could it be that this is an intentional exaggeration to prick our social conscience to wake us up to behaving better? Because there's, admittedly, there are things we need to do to be conscious of knowing, you know, if we continue to do this in years to come, it's going to damage the air we breathe. It's going to contribute to pollution. And remember back in the 70s, the commercial with the American Indian crying because of the litter along the side of the road? I this, remember that. Yeah, this has been... Uh, a pricking of our social conscience has been there for as long as I can remember. And that is not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that taking it to the extent to where we've chicken littled it, like Linda said, that in 12 years, it's really, we won't be able to breathe without wearing oxygen masks or something. Yeah, I've, Becky, the fact is that our air in the United States is really some of the best air in the world. And also, if you remember back in the 70s, how dirty it was in certain areas, we have totally cleaned it up. Yeah. Now, when you talk about China and India and other countries, they have not done that. So, you know, my thing is get on the people who are causing the problem and, mm -hmm. and stop trying to change everything I'm doing in my life. Because I have to tell you, I mean, people lost their lives in Texas because they did not have electricity because partially there, there was more than one reason. So, so I'm not going to mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. say that it wasn't, but there was more than one reason, but one of the reasons was because of those turbines freezing up. So let's get on those countries that are not participating and not paying their fair share into the, to the Paris climate agreement, because in my opinion, that Paris climate agreement is just one of those things that people are, uh, it's a black hole to put money in where other people can feather their own nests. So that's, I mean, that's just my never to be humble opinion on that. Well, regarding those turbines, you know, you said they're frozen in 
Texas, which would make sense with all the cold and the snow. I would imagine they're equally as frozen here in Michigan every year. But my understanding with the turbines is that they store the energy and then there should be a lot of energy, even if there's like, there's no wind. I don't, I don't under fully understand how they work, but it would seem like the energy is there and stored, even if the turbines aren't moving. Well, the, the reason was Becky, because the, there are things that you can do, which you would do in Michigan, because you have that kind of weather that there are things that you can do to climatize these um, wind turbines and ha have them still be working. So I don't know what it is, whether it's a heating element or whatever it is that, that will mm -hmm. work. But in Texas, they, they don't get that kind of weather. So they have never had a reason to do that. And right. So but wouldn't that, there be that's stored why. Wouldn't there still be stored energy that they use? Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's my curiosity. I've actually really wondered about that just because of this situation, knowing that here anyway, we're aware of where the energy is stored, which is not right at the location of the turbine, actually, which I thought it would be. And it doesn't act like the old fashioned Dutch windmill thing something to look into because I'm curious about that, which would also probably add more consternation knowing that there's actually <laughs> stored energy there that Texas couldn't get to or couldn't or wouldn't use. Yeah, that might cause even more of a problem. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we've solved problems for anybody today, but um, hopefully because all three subjects were very, very interesting to talk about with both of you. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 